Ezra's screen name is Butlime. You may have noticed. And well, if great question, he wouldn't tell us until we were recording. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So trying something new. Yeah. uh, So this this all started because uh, Maya was pantsless and playing with a lime a little while back. Yeah, and and then so far it's pretty literal. Yeah, she called the ultimate dibs on the lime. (laughs) Ah, the ultimate dibs. That that became a nobody else's lime, huh? Yes. Well, here's the thing. She actually really so we 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 felt she really liked it, so we didn't want to throw it away. So we put it in a bag for her and wrote down Maya's lime. Do not eat. Well, first first we washed it. Yes, that's true. With soap. Okay. okay. How how and much soap is really a good okay. amount? We have a, we're, we're generous with the, with the soaping uh, well, in these the times. Thing is, it's a thick it's rind, so the inside might yeah, still be okay. Steel wool. A good scrubbing. <laughs> you know, I had said I would be okay with still using the juice of the lime, and I did yeah. not say that. <laughs> You're not going to um, zest it, but no, I mean, no. it's, uh, it's hard because you got to get through the peel to cut the lime. That's what my half. point was. <laughs> um, but know. but to take it a step further, if we could, uh, she actually wow. had, like imprinted on this butt lime, uh, and it's like it's really it's a, I think her favorite toy of the last several days. It's her lovey now. <laughs> what? So she's just oh, kind of hanging out, taking everywhere with her butt. Uh, yeah. So the butt lime went on a walk with us. I think yesterday. What in the car with us this morning and she calls it her butt is line. it in its own carrier or is it in its original home <laughs> she holds it's it in long, her hand yeah, it's not it's not in a butt all right well i mean you know the good news about this is well you know based on our research inside our home mm-hmm. limes last a really long time they just turn into little rocks yeah, yeah. and they don't get particularly gross if you treat them if you just ignore them and or maybe carry them around, I don't know. I feel like this lime could really, you know, become a part of the family, like, despite its its unusual origin story. Has, yeah, also, has Maya named the butt lime? <laughs> well, it's, or it's is her it, butt lime. It's, it's her butt lime. Oh, it's, it's butt lime. lime butt. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, sometimes she gets confused and calls it her lime butt. But the, but the, but the good thing is, is the way she says butt is bup with a P. So it's oh. actually her bup lime, yeah, which is even lime. better. Oh, that's that, pretty great. that is pretty adorable. So yeah, there is that. That is that is all. That is all bup, bup talk. Uh, it's a lot of bup yeah. talk for this early in the morning, but I am pleased. I had a good time. Yeah, you know, honestly, I respect it. <laughs> yeah, you have to. Um, Shall we do a um, uh, a podcast now? Let's do it. All right, let's go. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Pack Your Mics, the Top Chef program from the creators of Read It and Weep. We are back with Season 10 Rewatch. Uh, This is Episode 2 of Season 10, A Needle in Space. But first, let me introduce you to your panel. I'm Alex, uh, hanging out in Los Angeles with Megan. Hey, buddy. Hello. Also joining us in Northern California, it's Ez and Sarah and a Bupline. (laughs) Hello. (laughs) And... uh, all the way from the other side of the country in Brooklyn, New York, it's Chris and Tanya. Hi, guys. Hey, hi. You know, I was named the most hated podcaster in Dallas like some time ago, but I won't stop talking about it. So maybe give me immunity. Yeah, you it's like pr- a backhanded it's, compliment. It's to prove that you're over it, that you bring it up every time someone talks to you about anything. Mm-hmm. Um, also joining us in Los Angeles, it's new Sarah and Kyle. Hey, guys. Hi. Oh, it's great to be awake. <laughs> <laughs> We, you're We're recording this an hour later than normal. <laughs> yeah, I don't. But somehow we use that extra hour to just get sleepier. Uh, it, 
I'm worried that this might happen to me, but I'm I'm on the like weird side of an of a caffeine rush, so you know. Oh doing, well, let's get weird. So this is, um, I believe this episode is called a shock in the space needle, um, and that is what. Well, actually, no, we don't get to find out the shock right away because first there is just a suspiciously nervous team of former contestants judging our quick fire. Um, so this is uh, you join up in teams of three, 20 minutes to make a dish that highlights local seafood. But you can't all use dick fish. I know you want to. Yeah, but we didn't bring enough for everybody. That was yeah, rude, that, I think. that that mud full of ocean beach dicks uh, yeah. really only had a few in it. And it was fun because they didn't, it wasn't like there was a counter on the outside. You had to get your hand, you had to get elbow deep in the mud yes. before you realized there were none left. I liked that. I thought that was fun. A fun yeah. little twist. Perhaps yeah. rude given the time constraint, but I like some fun uh, sensory tanks. But you know, <laughs> I feel like with the number of chefs who were going for gooey duck or whose first choice protein there was gooey duck. It definitely made something desirable a risk reward situation, which I, I like. My, I like the gaming. If you're gonna make someone like I don't know, like hunt for their own beach sticks, I feel like you should have enough for everyone, right? Like that seems unfair. I was actually. I feel like if the I, my guess is the producers were surprised that everybody wanted gooey duck. My guess is that they were like, I mean, this one looks like a penis, so probably not everyone's gonna want to eat this. Right? Well, they also hid like razor clams inside too, so it's like sort yeah. of a grab bag, yeah. like yes. you feel something. It's <laughs> kind of grab bag of mud, like. But then you pull it out, and it's just a razor clam. Yeah. Oh, By the way, razor clams are also weird. Let's. <laughs> are they? Mean, uh, yeah, yeah. googling razor clams really quickly yeah. here. I mean, um, I don't listen. Know much basically, about what happens is oh. you are covered in sand, and you have to pivot to razor clams, and that's your deal. So, welcome to so, Seattle. So, razor clam just looks like a small gooey duck to me. Yes, it's, just, it's like it looks like a switchblade. <laughs> just a switchblade gooey duck, if you want. When you're um, a clam, you're a clam all the way. Uh, <laughs> yeah, these are crazy. Um, Seattle people, have you eaten a lot of gooey ducks and razor clams? Oh, probably, but honestly, it's not something I think about that much. Yeah, yeah. when I've gone clamming with you know family or whatever, it's always for normal clams. I've, we've mm. never dug up a gooey duck or a razor clam or whatever. I also like think not, there's a... Oh, go ahead. It's not like there's lots of restaurants in Seattle that are like gooey duck focused. Like, <laughs> there's, there's a lot of other things that are going to yeah. be ubiquitous in Seattle restaurants. Uh, yeah, think of like Chipotle, but like shellfish, you know? <laughs> and also like the, the handicap of being raised in a place is nobody ever gives you like the cultural tour of the place because they're busy being oh, like, you know, so getting you started on solid food and like making sure you go to middle school. Like there's just not as much like... <laughs> that was a weird know. month. <laughs> <laughs> my teeth you came started in one late. of those late or the other one very early. Um, <laughs> so... So I guess I've never I'd never heard of gooey duck I think before this season so like it's not it's not a thing that you really I don't think I have it's weird hey, Seattle people does anybody else know the gooey duck song oh yeah, <gasps> yeah. there is a camp song about gooey ducks yeah I do know that you chant and a gooey one duck, gooey and duck. a two I can't remember dig a duck a day oh right <gasps> yeah keep anyway. going. yeah you might want to do it this song you play right after you play so the much. farm no 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 it's been years and years. <laughs> Chris, um, please. Uh, um, I need we, to know the rest of that song. I will so not tolerate stopping the there. Bay Area, we had a, a banana slug song. Okay, well, let's take this one at a time. The, the set list <laughs> is first we're going to hear the gooey duck song, and then we're going to get to banana slug. 
I don't remember mine anymore. Chris? Uh, yeah, no, I think it's it's something about uh, profiteering off of gooey ducks. So it's like, well, you get a buck a duck if you dig a duck a day. So you better <laughs> dig a duck, better dig a duck a day. And, a and high, I don't know. It's it's very risk rhyme scheme yeah, for it, me. It, yeah, it <laughs> it relies a lot on alliteration <laughs> and the fact that dig a duck is very fun to say. It's tough it to say. Fun. This is the mother pheasant plucker of yes. it really the is. Pacific yeah, Northwest. This is a trap yes, for yes, sure. Yes. A trap. So this um, was a this was an elementary school camp song for me. Okay, now let's do the banana slug song. I don't remember any of it. I just remember people. So like people came by. Sarah, does this happen for your school also? Like yeah. they came by with banana slugs and they're trying to get you to be cool about it. And I think maybe like lick it or touch it. <laughs> be, cool, and then like, be, cool, be cool. Everybody be cool. The whole assembly is like, I, be cool, everybody. Pretty much. Be that cool. was it. It was trying to like make people cool with them. But then I think Aiden, they realized that, be cool. They then realized though, like later on, that like you really shouldn't be touching or licking these because it's like the salt on your. I think I don't know bodies are generally just not good for the slugs. Yeah. Uh, no. So like the 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 uh, acceptance came at like too high a price. They realized. Uh, but it yeah, would no, be it's, less cool. It's kind of it's kind of a thing, you know, in, you know like in the greater greater Bay Area, because like the uh, UC Santa Cruz uh, has banana slugs as like a mascot. So yes, famously. Uh, I I think it was the same band who came around and also made you sing about how dirt made your lunch. Oh, I remember that one. Yeah, yeah. dirt made, made my, my lunch. lunch. Yeah, dirt, dirt made, made my lunch. lunch. Uh, th- thank you, dirt. Thanks, Thanks a bunch, bunch for the salad, my sandwich, my milk, and my lunch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dirt made my lunch. Yeah, I Sarah. That was impressive. You, you guys, I don't remember any of these. This is so good. Um, also, yeah. drugs, drugs. Don't say no. Remember that one too. Oh, I, I thought I you were going to say drugs made your lunch, and I was like, drugs that made my like lunch. a dig at the staff of your cafeteria. Brought to you by the good folks at Big Pharma. <laughs> All right, so everybody, if you look at this, this is cocaine. Be cool, Aiden. Be cool. <laughs> Brayden, be a little less cool, Brayden. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out licking all that cocaine was bad for the coke. Um, so, <laughs> you guys, what a weird start to this. Um, you're right. Well, speaking of cocaine, side. welcome so to they, Top Chef Seattle. So they, uh, I mean, I know this is not the only, my memory is that there's an other, f- like, full gooey duck related challenge. So it does seem like, in addition to the Space Needle, this is, like, most of what they think Seattle is. Um I believe that everyone grabbed them not because they were their favorite ever uh, shellfish, but specifically because it was uh, quick and they only had a twenty fast minutes. Fish. It's a fast yeah. shellfish. A fast fish, uh, not a stuck fish. fish. If you um, slice it thin enough, everyone loves it. Yeah, apparently. So okay, so the, but people, you guys have had them, and are they are they delicious? No, I don't remember. I mm. feel like mm. I there's probably no way I've avoided having some at some point in my life, but I'm not. Yeah. Yeah. I can't, for the life of me, recall a taste. And honestly, you know, I would say, you know, your average restaurant growing up would not have gooey duck. And when they would, at like a seafood place, it'd be in something. So it's not like mm. I've had sashimi of gooey duck, you know? Yeah. Right. But you did mention that you'd gone clamming, Chris. That's interesting. Yeah. You know, you're, you're in, in a beachy, you know, Northwest Island situation, perhaps on holiday with your family. And at low tide, you can grab a bucket and a shovel and just kind of uh-huh. dig up some clams and uh there were definitely crawfish uh, or crawdads if those are different um we had they crawdads are. okay we had crawdads in our lake and kids would go like put a little piece of hot dog on a on a string and try to catch crawdads in the lake so that's the closest we ever came i didn't do that i just saw kids do it um actually i have no idea if they're different i just said oh thanks oh, wow. Both. uh Let's find out. Um, same animal. Same also animal. Crayfish. Same animal. 
Are, is it, are crawfish, those, crayfish. Forgive the stupid question, but this is something no. I really do wonder. Are the crawdads the boys? <laughs> <laughs> um, that I do not yet know. Looking um, for that craw lady. <laughs> yeah, some crawdads. Welcome daddy. to everybody's daddy. <laughs> <laughs> they are known as crawfish, cradids, crawdaddies, crawdads, freshwater lobster, mountain lobster, mud bugs, and yabbies. Mud bugs. Oh. Mudbugs. Okay, yeah. So yeah. These just seems a little weird, right? That, yeah, that was go definitely get the, the one... regionalism air horn. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, all right. So our chefs uh, dig through this. No, nobody chooses the um, crab, actually, interestingly enough. So all the crab were released back into the ocean. What a great outcome. Yeah, so the crab were a trap. Um, that Yeah, they were. It was like 20 minutes to make crab would have been real tricky. But um, blue team with Kaneko, Sheldon, and John uh, win with their gooey duck sashimi. With ponzu apple and cucumber and then john by dint of knife block wins immunity that was a, that an interesting was turn was a weird one yeah i don't know I I, in, in knife block we trust y'all uh I think I, yeah i mean i'm not mad if it had been some other ma- if, if padma had been like onesie twosie let's see go or whatever like i wouldn't like that but the <laughs> knife block i'm into um but still it is like i guess you don't want to do three people but really haphazard that john got uh immunity today not that he needed it um, i i feel like the immunity in these seasons was pretty haphazard like i think it was and continues to be a little bit like Wah! yeah you know yeah. yeah i mean this is still before the great immunity ruiner of season 11 so uh, yeah immunity is just getting ramped up you know yeah yeah Ugh. although growing everybody... in power go ahead kyle sorry what i didn't say oh. I thought go Kyle ahead, was Kyle, saying something. Kyle, go. Kyle, go. <laughs> Kyle, go. I didn't, Kyle, I didn't speak. Kyle. I didn't ruin the immunity. It wasn't me. It was broken when I got there. <laughs> um, on the uh, on the other side, the yellow team with Eliza, Danielle, and Josh did not quite get their um, razor clam dish together. Um, what do you guys think about the uh, return? How the uh, returning chefs judged this quick fire? So disrespectful. I mean, like, it was nothing but, like, backhanded compliments or outright animus. Yeah. Uh, and, like, everything about, like, Stefan's posture was uh, designed to just, like, tell everyone to that they were below him. Yeah. Like, I didn't know he, that was an option for my posture. I should start doing that. I've been, I've, been, I've been saying good signals this whole time, but maybe I should start breaking people down. How was that news to you? Uh, I just didn't know. Uh, like no one's told me. Like, oh yeah, sure. If you stand the right way, you can just you know crumble uh, people's self esteem. I mean, I don't know if he crumbled everyone's self esteem or just made everyone hate him. Because the thing is, like, ev- Stefan knew he was going to be on the show. Now, like, it yeah. wasn't like this was a surprise twist to him. So, right. how did it not occur to him to be a little more respectful of these people who are going to be your peers in less than ten minutes? He yeah, doesn't care. You... He has a nice car, as he said That's... in his talking head. <laughs> oh my god! Large breasts. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But if he had brought maybe some Kelly Clarkson energy to the room, yeah, don't you think maybe it would have set him up better to? I, I don't know. I mean, I think. I mean, like, I, I, I still believe deep down that being good is helpful to your life, in addition to being correct. But um, and also to it's beneficial to you being on Top Chef, if for nothing else, because you have like an okay time while you're there, and that seems worth it. Oh yes, totally. I don't advocate this as a strategy for being on Top (laughs) Chef. I think it's just more indicative of his personality and and how he really he's at this point second time on the show choosing to present himself. 
Yeah, it's just yeah. Uh, yeah. They all came in with pretty clear like plans of CJ wants to be like I'm not just a cool tall guy. I'm very serious about cooking. I stopped yeah. at Noma, and then Josie well, I think fully believes that she's the best chef in the universe. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you say that and then laugh a bunch afterward, people think you're down uh, to earth. Um, both of these things need to be discussed. I if if CJ's plan was to throw me off and make me think about something other than how tall he is, he failed. Because <laughs> I was pretty focused. Remember how uh, was it uh, Brett the night? Uh, Bart. 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 Remember Bart. how Bart seemed tall before, and then CJ could like noogie him without even raising his arm yeah uh, seeing boy it, that's a I, tall fella i thought stefan was tall that was my memory was that stefan was fairly tall and then seeing him huh. next to cj was like a yeah cold water. it's unsettling like cj is like he's he he's, he needs like two knees just to keep that leg Functioning. Uh, I feel like very this is a production fellow. issue. They could have fixed this. They could have given some apple boxes to Stefan <laughs> and Josie. Giving him, oh man, it's CJ appearing like in Lord of the Rings, he'd still be like Gandalf height as a hobbit. He'd still no, be they, like they'd have to find some way to force perspective to make him one of the hobbits. So they'd like real time just dig a trench where he needed to go. <laughs> Everywhere he goes, there's like oh six my God. PAs digging everyone's, a trench. Everyone's waistlines are at wildly weird heights, and that's how you can tell. <laughs> CJ's it always looking matter. for behind a window. <laughs> In terms of self self image, though, I do kind of think CJ is operating out of a trench. Like he does seem like he's just constantly trying to prove that like he's taller than we think he is. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah, well, um. Yeah, I mean, he. It's funny, like he feels like he has something to prove to himself and everybody else, and we know that he doesn't really get there this season. But good news, Big Siege, you and your newfound love of peas are gonna really have a day coming up in yeah. duels. You've got you've got so much redemption coming up. You're gonna be all right. Josie I, does not come out great. I think this is actually interesting, like like way to look through it, where it's just this is like. Let's just examine like personal insecurities of chefs uh, for this, because I think that's like that's that's the interesting thing about I think John's uh, I think like you know like kind of like going on the the most hated thing where it's like he he actually is not terrible in these first two episodes so far. Uh, no, no, he's and, like, good at cooking, and we, and we know the and and also like I feel like emotionally as well. He's, he's like he's not he's not despicable or anything. Like um, like I think it just this clearly like wounded him uh, when he got this in a way that he doesn't want to show. Uh, yeah, and I think that's kind of a like how do you how do you deal with that? How, like how do you how do you how do you try to own that? And if and if you're in the process of like self healing with that, and then all of a sudden these reality show producers only like you because of that, and yeah. are constantly reminding you of it in your confessionals, like it's a hard reality TV is a hard place to heal. Maybe not what best that. I don't know. This is the first time we're going to yeah. talk about it. Maybe not what you're there for. What did what did everyone think about John's? Um, like treatment of Kuniko like he was he seemed to be like extra super nice to her but and it was like kind of nice and then a a little bit bordering on obsession I don't know yeah Yeah. it was it was interesting it was was some weird choices it was interesting in part because I it felt like the way he talked about it to camera he just seemed like he was constantly trying to figure out like the best way to utilize her, which was yeah. creepy. Yeah. I yes, don't know. yes, yes, yes. Like and making all these kind of like assumptions about her without actually talking to her about what she 
Yeah, I figure she's Japanese. Maybe she'll wind up having really good knife skills. Oh yeah, yeah. that was awful. Yeah. And then yeah. towards, towards the end, he like kind of deferred to her. I think it was at judges' table for some reason. He was like, "Oh, that was all her." He like stepped yeah. back and like he he gave her a lot of credit for the cooking idea, but there there was something about the way he was presenting it that made it seem like he was the genius for allowing her to do stuff yes, there was a little yeah there was a little bit patronizing it. energy from him that, that i felt yeah yeah i mean and it's, I, yeah. like my mission this year as i mentioned last week is to try to be more ezra about this before he learned about bad posture and um find something to like about each of these people and uh it's tricky uh for a couple of them uh but with John, I was trying to like that he did give her full credit for the thing that she obviously did all of the work on, but it is there's I can I definitely felt that little bit of creepiness. Yeah, you're whole. right because it's like the fact that he had so much to say about it. He's almost trying to like be part of her success. Yeah, exactly. He didn't let her say I cooked the fish. He was like, oh, I, ha- ladies and gentlemen, let, let me pr- produce the the genius behind that fish you ate that I mm-hmm. helped. Yeah, there was a yeah. little. Bit. Yeah. And yeah. it is I'm, tough to know, by the way. I mean, like a counterpoint, she has said on the show, her English isn't great. She's not going to be the most vocal person uh, on a given team. And so that could be him having worked with her in the kitchen all day, you know, just kind of doing her a solid and just kind of helping present her. Like could be the kiss on the side of the head at the that, end shot mm-hmm, definitely mm-hmm, speaks the mm-hmm. other way. But that, I'm not saying we know everything about that. way to kiss that. somebody is the top of their head. This is, yeah. this is one. I really want to get into the other, like, uh, I don't know, most supportive ways to kiss someone. Uh, but but also, I it felt like a little bit, maybe this is a generous reading, but it felt like kind of a real-time viewing of someone trying to become a good person. Uh, yeah. Like, it, like, it doesn't quite have, like, the, like, it's not natural yet. It's sort of, like, like learning sort of, like, the, how, do you, how do you actually be, like, legitimately supportive in this way uh, instead of, like, in a weird way? I felt like just it's in process, I guess. That, that's very yeah. Sure, sure. This is the part where you read the backs of the books that people recommended to you, but you didn't actually open the books yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I, yeah, for sure, John and CJ are on some sort of journey. I don't see the journey with Stefan and Josie. Both of them seem like they think they've already figured it all out. They've already arrived. Yes. Yeah, there's especially Stefan. Like, you got a condescension He's... as a group. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and then my other villain is so my other villain is Carla a little bit, although she's the easiest one to find things to like about because she's at least a little bit self-aware. I don't think she's a villain. I think she's like an unhinged like loud. She she reminds me of yeah. Murtaugh from Lethal Weapon. Like Yeah, okay. Just like she's she when she's like screaming like you need four minutes, I don't got four minutes. We don't yeah. got four minutes, we're all just gonna cut each other. Let's <laughs> dance. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think I, my memory is that she gets even a little bit more villainous over the next few episodes. She's definitely difficult to work with, and she is annoying. And and also, some especially in like a team-type challenge and a show like this, being really messy in the kitchen is really annoying. Oh, my God. Um, Lizzie trying so hard to be like uh-huh. tactful about her. And oh, the Lizzie. Was just like, like Lizzie She's so much. Loud. And then she like... They would just have this clip of Carla being like, Charlotte's garlic lemon! And like screaming and running through the camp. <laughs> and Lizzie's like, my biggest fear is that we repeat the quick fire. And it's just, she was so like sweet and tactful about it. And they really, the editing did so much heavy lifting there because Lizzie was so like great. not giving them the like, 
meme sound bites mm-hmm. they perhaps wanted at that point. Yeah, oh I mean, I guess maybe for maybe for like a, a a kind South African, that is just like the, the most like cruelest, savage thing you could possibly say to someone. <laughs> I, <laughs> I considered asking her to be quiet. You're like, ooh. That was yeah, fighting just, yeah, words. Like all over, like, yeah, like in South Africa, there's just gasps when they saw this. <laughs> like, oh my God, I cannot believe. She's gone full savage. <laughs> I she's, like, she's not I holding like anything back. Um, it also wasn't an editing thing either because they had shots of all the other chefs just like watching that first round for the like car crash element. Like, everyone was just openly. Oh, yeah. Them. Oh, yeah. Someone yeah. goes, oh, there she goes. <laughs> Even even sweet boy, sweetest boy Sheldon had mm-hmm. something to say about it, which yeah. tells you a lot. It's yeah. hard because I think there's like, I don't know where you you cross over between like, I just gotta be me and like, this is problematic behavior that doesn't really take anyone else into mm. consideration. Because yeah, right. like, I feel like Carla's like sort of defense of herself is just like, this is me. Some people can take it. Some people can't. And like, that's just how it is when it's me. And I don't necessarily fully agree with her, but yeah. I also feel like that level of like chaotic self-image is not villain. Like it is, mm-hmm. it is distinctly not self-aware, but it's also not evil. Right. No, it's just unsafe. I think was my main thing. <laughs> unsafe for sure. It's, it's she been, showed. Yeah. Like post cooking. Uh, yeah, a non-cooking injury. injury. Yeah. Like, An unforced error. Yeah. <laughs> unsafe for her and unsafe for everyone else. Just having that much yeah. like noise and like kind of frantic energy in the kitchen when people are dealing with fire and knives and yeah. I mean, her own knife bag was like, slow down. And a spin <laughs> building. Yeah. Yeah. yeah another villain. They're running, the they're running around. They're running around um, on slippery floors surrounded by fire and knives in a building that is spinning, causing some degree of centrifugal force for everybody. And it is a little bit centrifugal or centripetal. You know what? I don't know. And I don't like that. You asked me in public. (laughs) If only someone could edit this out. (laughs) Never going to find out. Anyway, by the way, the kitchen in the space now, but it's definitely, uh, Oh, he's doing his posture. Oh no. Um, I will say, just for clarification for everybody, uh, the kitchen is not moving. It's only the dining floor that is oh. rotating. Wait, that's crazy. So there's like a part where you step from a non-spinning to a spinning part. Yeah. yeah. The, the the is, very slowly. I mean, yeah. yeah. You can't feel it when you're in it. That still oh. sounds awful. I felt so but, <laughs> but New villain of the show, Heights. How dare you make Brooke feel so bad, Heights. On the other hand, I kind of like... Space and Space Needle. Totally mm. true on both of those. But I also like that while all these people are fighting about like chef-related stuff, Brooke is focusing on the true horror of the Heights she's at. She's like, look, I have no time to get into this argument with you guys and deal with this thing with Carla. I am busy trying to not panic. <laughs> so everybody... We all everybody have a call me altitude yes. <laughs> yes. Like, i don't care how you cook the fish and that was a mistake yeah yeah but... no kidding so okay so let me just to, to keep this moving along in the summary for people who haven't seen the episode or just want us to ground this discussion so we're now into the elimination challenge so first up the twist the judges uh, are competing on the show is that an advantage to be a returning chef yes of course but why these chefs i guess is my big question why cj stefan and josie i get that Stefan might seem like he has unfinished business because he like really phoned it in in his finale and did not win against Hosea. So like, 
Mr. Thumb came up against a slightly bigger thumb and lost in the finals. There was a thumb war. They declared it. Yeah. Very good. I wish I had thought of that ahead of time. It was very, very good. Yeah. Um, so the two thumbs went head to head against the actual hero, Carla, and then um, uh, one of the thumbs. Anyway, like I can see I, Stefan seeming like his unfinished business. Josie I, went out on like the fourth episode. CJ was kind of like in the last third, but not making a run at winning. These are not like what a weird group, right? Well, well I think. And, and, go ahead. If it's like the rest of the cast, it. It feels like for the season they cast a lot more personalities. Uh, yes. It's it's a lot more like people with this is my mustache and goatee. Uh, yeah. This is my insane Italian energy. Like so uh, true. <laughs> the, it's not the sort of season where it's like a lot of people with James Beard nominations and like culinary a great culinary pedigree. It's a lot of people that have personalities. And CJ, Josie, and Stefan are clearly recognizable like top chef archetypes. Yeah, that's such a good point. I, I guess I just felt like there's enough of those already that you didn't need to bring in more personalities. But you're right. And given the way they were producing seasons at this point, it seemed like they thought their money was in personalities. And so it makes sense that they added more. But man, I just it's just all the wrong energy for what I want this season to be. And I'm just a little disappointed. Well, I think it's predicting that like the disappointment we felt before we like remembering the season is sort of felt like how it's put together. Both of these challenges, one being a three person, 20 minute challenge where you have to like immediately make a plan and cook a dish. And then the second challenge where like, there's also an arbitrary 47 minute, like cook prep execution time. time. Yeah. So it's like, it's two challenges. That's not built around making the best dish possible. It's built around following these arbitrary rules that doesn't support good food like very the, true a lot of this is back in the time where people were just trying to win a reality show and not necessarily make better food that's such a good point i i completely agree with that yeah, i forgot like so 20 minutes is bonkers and then the i forgot that their 47 minute cook time was not in addition to three hours of prep that was like 30 minutes to shop in their own pantry and then 47 minutes of total time for the dish in the space needle which is not a lot like no, that's a, that's a tough challenge. That's a last year's kitchen challenge. Yeah, with like three people who you've done one twenty-minute challenge with prior, right? Yeah, who you also. did not. So you're with like in your first yeah. challenge. Yeah, so you're like off-roading with personalities, and then also with like food prep. It's it's yeah, not good. This is, this is a yeah, that's a bit crazy. Um, and uh, they are cooking. I uh, let's talk about Tom Douglas really quick. So their guest, the guest judge today was Tom Douglas, um, James Beard for outstanding restaurateur. Uh, 13 full service restaurants in Seattle, also an event space and a cooking school and a product line. Seattle people. Well, not anymore. No. Mm-hmm. Um, are you guys, how familiar were you with Tom Douglas? I'm I, very. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I got real handsy with the pause button during this episode to talk to Chris about who we were in 2010 and what we were doing in Seattle and like oh. who Tom Douglas was to yes. Seattle in 2010. All of which is probably not great podcasting. Too, please. No, I want that so much. I want to <laughs> sure. hear all of that. Okay. Um, I mean, just to recap, you know, we were in our mid 20s and sort post, of ju- post college, post college, you know, just starting to kind of have a, you know, professional career and a little dis- spending money and we'd go to restaurants. But Tom Douglas was probably out of reach for us in terms of like a, you know, more than like once yearly 
situation or I feel like or... we were well I feel like I wasn't necessarily like super aware of Tom Douglas in some ways like there were like my perception of his restaurants were like his pizza restaurant was a place that was really hard to get a table unless yep. you were willing to wait in line which as a mm. Seattleite and not a New Yorker at that time I was like who does that who would ever <laughs> yeah. yeah uh, uh and I went to uh his fancy restaurant in downtown Seattle for my prom dinner, by the way, back oh in gosh. 2003. Wow. Yeah, Dahlia yeah. Lounge. Yeah. Oh, Dahlia Lounge was like the, yeah, that was like, it was like the hip fancy, fancy for 2003. Yes. Um, but, yes. you know, what Tom Douglas has done, at least kind of the, the summary of the conversation that Tanya and I had, was that, you know, if you look at his menu, even in 2010, it's Northwest cuisine. He's not doing anything totally bonkers culinarily but he is codifying and solidifying a certain voice of yeah. you know kind of local ingredients and 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 uh, a standard of cooking that made him a hit and you know he's not trying to be too experimental i think a lot of the time what he's trying to do is bring uh that kind of cuisine to more people and his restaurants from a business perspective are very successful for that. It's sort of the Brian Malarkey approach where, you know, he's not <laughs> going to be top chef, but he's going to make money hand over fist and make really successful restaurants. And that's what he's done for decades now in Seattle. Yeah. And I would I would add that he, you know, his one of his restaurants in downtown Seattle, Lola, like personally introduced me to like watermelon salad and halloumi. Yeah. Like, I mean, you know, I think we went uh, there with the on fire with Uzo, which is really delicious oh it's so good work yeah like, no there, there are know. a number of dishes where like yeah it's it's good and i think like yeah. yeah i guess just like broadening broadening the palettes of both like seattleites and then also you know introducing people to what seattle could be about culinarily is is something i feel very comfortable with giving yes. him some credit for yes but by the time we left seattle i would say like by you know 2014 2015 um we left seattle in 2013 but okay yeah 2013 cool uh <laughs> by the time we left seattle um you know where we were going as diners was probably not Tom Douglas. It was more, it was, you know, smaller, a little bit more adventurous kind of places. So, yeah. And that's I mean, so see, impressive when somebody has 13 restaurants that are oh, not yeah. currently failing. It's like, and insane. they're not chains either. Like, you yeah. know, he has a Thai one. He has a fancy one. He has a pizzeria. He has a, you know, they're all just like different Being types of things. That many different things well enough i mean it i mean it obviously just goes to to show how much of this like the business side is different from just being like good at coming up with dishes that you're like you have a skill to conceptualize and execute restaurants and that is just fascinating same with malarkey it's like it's bonkers that you can do that a thing that's that fails with such a high frequency and you can do it successfully so many times in a row yeah by the way did you um have you guys been following brian malarkey on instagram since the since top chef ended surely no, not up okay <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, it was very interesting to see the pivot that he's making to his current restaurant down in uh, Southern California, where please it's like, Shrek, please it, be Shrek, please be Shrek. Oh, it's not Shrek. It's not Shrek. I'm sorry. But since they couldn't do indoor dining, like they've been pivoting like to like being an event space, like an outdoor party space and like just all these different like creative vectors to get people in the door and continue to have business. And it's, it's really interesting. So it, 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 it you bring this up to show partly um, just how innovative he is as a business restaurant man. I mean, yeah, I'm saying like, you know, there are people who are, who have a little bit more business intelligence there or business experience. And, you know, it's it, the restaurant touring side of it is its own thing. Super interesting. Yeah. And shout out uh, to Mr. Douglas, who's a, uh, 
bakery, Dahlia Bakery, provided our wedding cake, and it was genuinely Ooh. incredibly fucking good cake. And awesome. Yeah, yeah Dahlia Bakery is awesome. Yeah, wedding it's cake so is a good. low percentage of hits as far as cake well, goes. It's, it's not a wedding cake. cake That's the thing. Is like you can't. Uh, you don't want to go to a place that says it's a wedding cake because they'll charge you more. And if you don't want something that looks like a traditional wedding cake, you just yeah. want something that tastes good. Go to a nice bakery and get like a plain frosted cake. Yeah, yeah it's rad. <laughs> Never oh. say the word wedding and you will save 50% on your cake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Truly. It is, I mean, and that is that is the most clutch move and extreme props to you for for also doing that. It's, yeah. It's so good. It was so good. It looked like the most normal nice cake that I could never make myself and it tasted like heaven and that's all you need. So he has Aww. a soft spot in my heart for opening up a place that provided well us with deserved. that cake. Mm-hmm. Also, when somebody can have like savory restaurants and bakeries that are that good, that's impressive. Yeah. So, yeah. all right. Well, really uh, cool to learn more about Tom Douglas. Um, speaking of Tom's in Seattle, uh, we also got to watch the um, that stupid little uh, the joke between commercials to try to trick you into not fast forwarding through commercials where Tom told the h- hilarious story about how he almost moved to Seattle and then didn't. <laughs> So that's the story. He thought about it, but didn't do it. That's cool the story, bro. Yeah. Gail, Gail's like, is this over? Can we go fishing? <laughs> yeah, because Gail's thing was fishing in 2010. Yeah. And now Tom has made that entirely his thing. But, you know, just I think Tom good was to always fishing. Well, and sure. I but I feel like he was less chatty about it back then. Yeah. It's true. I, ha- I had forgotten that she mentioned that before because it does. Yeah. Tom is like, my brand is I fish. Um, that's his new brand. Um, but. It is that scene of them all hanging out with Tom, with new Tom, with Seattle Tom, who was so fun. And then um, with Emerald still there. This just seemed like a fun party table at that re- spinning restaurant. Um, yeah. Totally. And the camaraderie one, when Emerald's around is just incredible. One thing is like hearing Tom talk about going to Seattle. I could just picture him like as a secondary character in singles. Like Tom Colicchio would fit <laughs> so well in like 90s Seattle. Like late yeah. 80s, early 90s. Tom would be yeah. at Soundgarden shows. With his curly hair. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Tom hair. spends like a day too long at Bumbershoot. Like, <laughs> well, um, oh my gosh, guys, we have like a sliding doors, like kind of like a like parallel universe where this happened. Well, and right. I was saying, Ow, like, obviously, mean, Tom Colicchio couldn't come to Seattle because then it would be a two Tom, two Tom town, which yeah. you cannot have. You cannot have a two Tom town. No, yeah. Yeah. Tom, yeah. Tom Douglas got a Tom out to Tulsa or something. <laughs> <laughs> you got you get you can dig one Tom per day for a dollar a Tom. Yeah, you get a buck a Tom. <laughs> so wait, is yeah. that the thing of Tom's where it's like for every Tom you buy, you like they donate another Tom? That's true. Stuff. That's yeah. true. So Seattle oh bought Tom gosh. Douglas, and New York <laughs> got a free Tom Glicio. Uh And neither of them lasted very long. That's the secret with Tom's uh, falling apart before you even get it. So the teams, uh, blue team, does really well on his spinning challenge with the poached, as we mentioned before, chili oil poached cod with dashi. Um, which Tom said of the methodology that Kaneko had never actually done before. Maybe you should do that again. I side note. I just, I know this wasn't on the table, but like if they weren't going to do immunity, I feel like they should have just given the winning team for the quick fire controls to the spinning thing where they can change how fast it spins. Uh, sure. Like green light action. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like um, turn into the Gravitron kind of thing. Um, okay. I'm thinking out the results of this. Uh huh. Great. Yeah. Check that. Don't, don't think about too hard. Just, just keep moving. Okay, yeah. 
Because it's yeah, you're right. Okay. Um. Also, uh, notable was the bottom. The team of big surprise here. The veterans, uh, Josie Big Siege and the Thumb are in the bottom for their last second pivot to Quail Breast. Unnecessary yeah. pivot. Unnecessary. But yeah, another is another unforced move. error. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, props to uh, Big Siege who uh-huh. tasted his cherry emulsion and said, "That is not rad." And so it was not. So with approximately six cherries left, he's like, Josie, can you just do something with cherries? And you know what? Six cherries was not enough cherries. That is super true. That's Um, true for my experience of cherries overall. Like they're usually, if they're, if you're having them, they're usually good enough that you want more than six. Mm -hmm. So it was Um, a pretty please, no cherry on top for that dish. But the real problem was the protein, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. 100% of what got them there. Yeah. They, they didn't put the gross thing on, which is to their credit. The much to their not credit was that the thumb way ruined the quail. Just did a terrible job, which he blames on having small breasts. Uh, which uh, Gail pointed out, yeah, it's a quail idiot. Uh, which I liked a lot. Um, this is a very small bird, so you don't get to be surprised your quail was small. Yeah, I feel like his crap jokes really ruined his chances at cooking correctly. So that's Ugh, fine. yeah. yeah. Um, also on the bottom was the gray team with their pan roast. Their uh, Two pan roast, double roasted halibut uh, with yeah. morels and English peas. George um, Foreman style. Exactly. Jeffrey made the decision to roast it uh, aggressively on both sides, um, which Brooke did not care for, but was too busy trying not to die to say anything about. Yeah. Although, to be fair to the Space Needle Rotating Restaurant, their thing is overcooked fish. So, <laughs> <laughs> is it really? <laughs> when in Rome. Yeah, a la Space Needle. <laughs> I so you guys mentioned last week you it's a thing that you've all had to do once at some point right and it's not really worth it yeah don't remember a single thing about it because I think I was like nine or ten it just yeah, I was busy looking out the window yeah. yeah I don't remember the food at all so is it worth it to just go get like you know like a coffee and a dessert and then just sit there and look at the view because I do like being at a tall place I think it's it's fun um a couple fun things uh if you are thinking about it a uh, fun thing to do is to take a little paper or a little note and put it on the thing and just say hey everybody where are you from and people will take that and as it goes around they'll fill it out and by the end you'll have Aww. a little little survey or a little you know oh, thing cool. like that that's pretty fun, fun. yeah and it's, like a, it's fun to have a rotating 360 view while you're sitting there uh yeah. the food is not or at least historically when when i was there back i don't know if they've had a redo but mm-hmm. wasn't very good they probably yeah, had like six like or you... seven re- reboots since then but that doesn't mean it's that, actually good yeah I feel like it has that vibe of like a place where you order a slice of cake and then they bring you the cake and the plate has also been refrigerated. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. It's that kind know. of a... Yeah. I mean, sure. yeah. listen, you, you're you're going for the location. Yeah. yeah. I, I feel like I would enjoy it for the location enough to do it once. I really do like a view. So I, I'm fine with a mediocre. This is I feel like it's just like not fair to judge it on food when they're like, but remember, it's in the sky. Like, it's just right. like. If I was eating this food on the ground, sure, not yeah. good. But like, if you look at look at your other guy. dining options at that same height all around, exactly. it's pretty much right. the only one you can do. Yeah, like Chris and Tanya, you took us to the very tall Starbucks in downtown Seattle. Yeah, and yeah. it tastes fine, but the view's great. It's like at this height, what other coffee can we get? It's pretty good. Well, if you exactly. get coffee at a height, go to the Starbucks. <laughs> <laughs> 
Like, I feel bad going to the Space Needle restaurant and just getting a slice of cake and coffee for the server that has to be in the Space Needle restaurant all day and all night. That's true. But on the plus side, you know, where, how, how much, like, what are their other working options at that height? You know, at least. Yeah, I mean, it's nothing really until you get up to the ISS, right? So <laughs> it's not a lot of options beyond that. Well, and like, if you go to like the, uh, um, I mean, I, you you would tip well for cake, obviously, but um, I don't know if you go to like Drake's house in Toronto, you're like, there's no food. You still pay forty bucks just to stand there and not eat anything at that height. So the fact that you also would get cake here is kind of nice. Hmm. Valid. Although. Although Drake's house does have a glass floor at one part that you can walk on, and it is terrifying. I don't Brooke like would that. Not like it. I feel like I'd be like a, a one of those dogs who doesn't make it through the guide dog training with that, where it's just like, <laughs> I won't go. <laughs> I don't know if they do guide dogs at that height, but it's, um, yeah, you it's know. a. Yeah, terrifying. we've been incentivizing Ezra with treats for about 40 minutes, and it does not seem like he's going to go. Not <laughs> <laughs> with the great, no, not the great either. No. Uh, this no. is a distraction. Uh, but I just have a question about Drake's house. Yeah. Is this a a business that Drake opened, or is this a famous location in Toronto that Drake took his name from? Talking about the CN Tower in Toronto. Yeah, it's the CN Tower. It's just ah. a very tall antenna, and then um, Drake's Drake has taken some photos of him sitting on the outside of it uh, yes, for his the album uh, rap cover. album. And I just so assumed there was some place called Drake's there. house that was either like nope. a club Drake opened. No, nope, you're right. Thank you for the clarification. It's I just a place picturing... that I assume Drake lives. Yeah. I was picturing the recent pictures of Drake's actual house, which are distressing oh. too, but we don't necessarily have to get into that. But, you know, everyone do yourself a favor and look at where Drake decided to live because it's a mall. The end. <laughs> I th- didn't Virgil Abloh design his new place? We don't have else. time to talk about Virgil Abloh. There's oh, a- <laughs> okay. uh, I am okay. Um, wow, that's not wow. Okay, I do recommend Just, you quickly Google Drake's house because it's not what I thought. I'm looking at the Just, Drake House Museum, uh, which also looks pretty cool. It's in New Jersey. Ezra, you took a wrong nice. turn. <laughs> <laughs> Weird. You you never expect that from Ezra. Um, if we can go back to the Space Needle for just a second, please. Of course. A warning. <laughs> everyone i uh, if you go there please be careful um let me share what happened to me uh-huh. i went to the space needle once i was young um oh. my dad took me i uh, i didn't go to the restaurant but we went to like the gift shop or whatever and it yeah was which cool. is actually taller yeah. yeah oh is it oh yeah. bonus yeah and they had this um machine there i don't know if you've ever seen this but um what you could do is you could put a penny in it and then uh-huh. you could put like a dollar also yeah and then it would stretch the penny out and like stamp the space on the penny now you don't have the penny or the dollar well you have the penny it's just still it's different yeah Yeah. it's just not very useful anymore Uh, i never pennies anymore yeah right i'd never seen this before and uh i was interested and so my dad you know gave me the money to do it or whatever and then i afterwards uh he let me know you know you've just committed a federal crime <laughs> oh dad no. <laughs> did he then kiss the top of your head and give you weird credit for chili oil like what he, you can't deface money that is he is technically I mean, correct about is that he an accomplice at the very least oh for sure that's such a good point this was definitely entrapment, I mean, Megan. I wish that he told me before he gave me the money to do this. Yeah. But I had to take that penny home and hide it in a secret place. <laughs> oh, so, no, Megan. Wait, was it a bup penny? How <laughs> secret? Uh, 
great. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, it's this a... is like such a perfect Megan's dad joke where it would be like a thing that, where he, he was really, uh, I don't think he was great at reading the room with Megan as a child where he would say that and it'd be hilarious in his head and it would like ruin her life thinking she's a federal criminal. <laughs> oh, guys. So wait, it's yeah. fraudulently alters, defaces, mutilates, impairs, diminishes, falsifies. You weren't trying to, it, no, there was no fraudulent intent. Right? Are you saying this is fine? Oh, so he was also oh technically gosh. incorrect. I'm going to go find that penny and put it on display. <laughs> <laughs> She's kept it all this time in case she wanted to live dangerously. You know? <laughs> well, she couldn't well, She couldn't get rid of it. Then she'd be further destroying it. That's true. It's all crime. Oh, man. Um, federal one. fugitive uh, Megan um, can finally live at ease. I don't know what the statute of limitations on a crushed penny is anyway. So you're probably fine by now. About five so, minutes. World, but seriously, so. anytime there's a a, a fire, uh, like just any a siren outside of any kind, Megan hides under the bed. So she's very concerned about being arrested. We, still, we had a, a similar uh, thing that Sarah and I like fairly recently realized was not actually illegal that we really thought was. Um, and in California, pretty common for kids to be told that it's illegal to to pick the state flower, the the golden poppy. Uh, it, it's fine. It's cool. Really? Yeah, it's not, it's not like... Are you allowed to make the official state heroin out of it? <laughs> uh, yeah, you have to be more chill about that, though. <laughs> chill, Aiden. Um, wait, that's interesting. So it's just like, that's just like a lie to help keep the flowers around. I don't know. It's, it's a thing that everyone, I think, knows. I think you... parents actually believe it when they tell their kids that. It's yeah. just like weird lore that's been Because we believed down. it when we told Caleb, and we were like, wait a second. And then we were like, that kid. That, that doesn't sound <laughs> right now that we're saying it out loud as adults. <laughs> Oh, well, good news that Caleb's not going to have to become a state criminal either for all of his poppy collection. Um, uh, let's move on from here. I, so I guess we were kind of dancing around this, but now I would like officially from the Seattleites, please rank this episode for Seattleness from one to 16 Starbuckses. Oh, is I the have Seattle trouble with the scale, but is, okay, <laughs> let's do right. 16 is too high. Let's just do. Yeah, the, just the do... number was the part I have a problem with. <laughs> One out of eight uh, uh, top pots, I think. Top pots? Oh, sure, top yeah, yeah. would be fine. Okay. Yeah. Do okay. Well, well, uh, audience, that is a regionally beloved donut chain. <laughs> <laughs> that is available <laughs> for sale in Starbucks. Or was uh, the donuts were available in Starbucks for a time? But, like, I'm just saying, if Top Pot had the same level of ubiquity, I might feel different. For sure. Top Pot's super fun. We went to Top Pot with you so many times. Okay, so just, is the amount of Seattleness in this episode short? Is it short Seattle, or is it Vente Seattleness? Mm, tall. tall. It's, a, it's a tall? Okay. It's got about 354 milliliters of Seattleness. It's a tall in a grande cup, is what I say. <laughs> Whoa! Oh, Disappointed, like huh? Well, <laughs> I mean... Wait, why did you get extra cup? It's that's that's so you don't have to avoid uh, asking for room, right? You get more. You have space. Uh, no, to, so you get that really hard to ask for room, coffee. you guys. Well, no, because yeah. you want. You well, because then you get more less liquid. Yeah, and as exactly. does not want to skimp. Not wants the most liquid possible. Yes, if I if I'm do that amount of liquid, I want that liquid. Also, Google is suggesting there is something called a Trenta as well. So yeah, it's not yeah. stuff. Yeah, but yeah. We, we've Trenta. tried. There's some stuff they will not give you a Trenta. <laughs> Oh man, that's, that's I feel the like first, the retail the first, the first knowledge the f- you get when you become a parent is the Trenta. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I sort uh, of feel like Ezra like I feel like there's like a picture of Ezra at all food service locations that's like 
not a criminal, but just like, just breathe. You're, it's going to be a lot. You'll just, get yeah, it's it. a, watch, like, like, watch out for loopholes. This one. Yeah, it's easier <laughs> just to let loopholes. him have his way. Yeah. <laughs> I did. Okay. So I did find another loophole. I don't know if I want to share it because I'm really afraid it's going to get closed. Sure. Yeah. Um, but I assume you're going to, or you wouldn't have said it. Cause that would be a real dick move. <sighs> okay. Yep. I guess I'm, I'm too curious. Uh, so, so for Starbucks, they have a thing where for 50, 50 stars, they'll give you like a free, uh, drip coffee basically. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, for their, for their rewards thing. And if it's 150 stars, uh, they will give you a free, like, you know, like, like sort of a like handcrafted, like the espresso kind. Okay. But if, as long as you start with a drip coffee, you can add whatever you want to it for 50 stars still. Uh, so you can have like basically like a cup of drip and then just add like, you know, 10 shots to it and it's still 50 stars. <laughs> wow. This is a loophole. Yeah. This is, yeah, this is, yeah this, there's so many loopholes if you're fine having a bad time. No, you're like, right. Yeah. You know, for no extra money, they'll just like no, so pour sink water into your coffee. <laughs> like, that actually, that would be a customization. That would be 25 stars. That would cost. <laughs> Um, oh man is no, there, but like you just pour this out first uh, what's that price <laughs> that's, can you drink my own coffee uh no that's not part of it uh no but so like so for example there's like a there's a uh like a honey almond flat white that they have right now where if you want it uh for free normally you would have to pay them 150 stars all right but if you say like no start with a cafe misto which is half like a uh, steamed milk and half uh like drip coffee and then add the number of shots you need and have it be almond milk and have it be like the honey blend uh, then it would be 50 stars. And so, yeah, uh, you know, also it's fun. Time. Like when, if instead of buying Ikea furniture, you just like cut down a tree and do all the woodworking, <laughs> it's basically free. This is not equivalent by SharePoint. <laughs> well, this used to really embarrass me whenever we had to order drinks like this, but now yeah, I'm it, embarrassed now. Yeah. But now that, like mobile, yeah, it's via, it's now that it's mobile order only, it's a little less embarrassing, especially if I'm <laughs> you don't have to look anybody in the eyes. Picking it up. It takes yeah. them four sticker receipts to get the whole order on the side of your cup. <laughs> yeah. So he he does the order and then he goes and picks it up and I have nothing to do oh, with any of better. that. And then um, so uh, you're really you're letting Ezra stretch the penny on this one. Yes. <laughs> it is not fraudulent. It is changing the shape of things. It, that's hundred percent true. Um before we wrap up today, uh so you guys say it's a little Seattle. That's good for me. Before we go, I would we say just, this was quite Seattle. I, you, you say this I, is I up there be, with the I would say Grande for me, grande. not not Vente, but definitely Grande. I mean, we get Tom Douglas, we get his perspective on you know the Seattle restaurant scene. We get the Space Needle, which cheesy as it is, is iconic. You get some good views, and the Quick Fire uh, highlighted a lot of local shellfish, which in the Northwest sure. is a big deal. So yeah. I'm going with Grande. Grande, I'll take Grande from you. That sounds good. Does you the get committee to see agree? The uh, crappy ultra modern apartments built near the Amazon. Those oh, are st- so bad. Oh, oh yeah, we, we had a, Tanya and I had a whole convo about <laughs> Olive Eight. Olive yeah, Eight, also a universally terrible location. I love that they they shoot it from the one direction that it's acceptable to look at it, which is uh-huh. like with your back to like the transit hole in the ground and like <laughs> the weird bear like patch of Capitol hole. Hill that starts right after the convention center and, and it's like, next yeah. to the freeway basically yeah it's basically yeah. right next to the freeway like it's a sad place and it's a place i had to walk near pretty much every day to get my bus to bellevue that's right guys <laughs> i lived a glamorous life in seattle uh it just is a it's a very ugly building it's not in a particularly nice part of downtown and there's not a lot that that part of downtown can do to get nicer 
But if you love like walking distance to REI, I guess it's like the place to be. <laughs> I would for- say easy, easy access to transit hole. Yeah, transit hole good. is right there for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, the, and I, I feel bad for Brooke having to be height, uh, such a high height for that house as well. Uh, so I wonder if she spends a lot of time in transit hole just to feel more at home. Oh, back then, Transit Hole wasn't done, I don't think. Oh, no. no. It's not finished Transit Hole? Transit yeah. Ditch? It's just a Transit hole. construction oh, site. Wow. Yes. Yeah. There's a hole inside a hole. All right. Well, we got before we go, one more quick thing. Do the rig a dig a ding dong song. Still doing a little bit of mailbag here for this season. Uh, it's going to be a little less formal, and I'm just going to uh, read these off the top. Megan um, is. Uh, of the two of us, the only one with a job. And so I have taken back the mailbag. Um, so uh, just a couple of quick things from people. First, uh, from Bridget on Facebook, uh, who says, uh, Stefan has clearly never spoken to anyone smart or cool because everyone knows Carla and not Hosea and definitely not him should have won Top Chef that season. Um, this is in response to, as you may recall, Stefan saying, everyone I've talked to said I deserve to win. Mm. Like, so not only is he not a nice person, He's so unfamiliar with the concept of politeness that it didn't occur to him that people were just being nice when they said that. That is true. I, I guess I'll say some of the sting of that one really went away in that like I remember at the time being like, oh, wow, that's crazy. But like Carlo's done real well uh, in the intervening years, which is nice. Yeah. Uh, and it yeah. Kind of makes you feel like oh, like it doesn't like it balances out right, a lot of timeline. Wait, she's doing she's doing well. Yeah. Does she have? Like a GT8? <laughs> like that? Well, I don't know. Show me Carla's car and we'll talk. Carla's car. Anyway, show me your car. We'll talk. Um, uh, bonus from Bridget also. Actually. you. <laughs> so sorry. Interesting bonus. <laughs> that was from Bridget. Bridget right. Bless you. Someone um, just wrote into you and just says sneeze. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Bridget and then also Hannah on Facebook, two of our listeners who we've talked to many times, um, were both so uh, thrilled at us having a rewatch season right now because they're both moving this week and they enjoyed having the podcast to listen to. Aww. And so good luck. I hope both of you are, are finishing your move pretty easily. And also, um, this is the easiest it's ever been for me to help someone moving. Also, can you please pick up those boxes, Alex? <laughs> uh, I will expect pizza. Even just for making the podcast, we've helped you move enough. We should probably get pizza. Also, uh, writing in at Maeve Pilcher on Twitter says, since you announced the rewatch, I started watching. I wanted to go week by week with you, but immediately started binging and I'm already on episode seven. Um, Yeah, it was so hard after episode one not to just immediately jump in episode two. I know. It's really weird. Not like it turns out without the artificial limitation on it. I'm not good at clicking stop playing between episodes. Um yeah, I, it would be very difficult, uh, as I said on Twitter to her, that uh, it would be very difficult for us to um, binge podcast record. That would be the issue. Otherwise, I would be totally into that, uh, just watching them all at the same time. But um, thanks for uh, thanks for watching, and, and, and hopefully this will still be interesting several weeks late. Um, Jane sent us uh, a message. Um, we were talking about Hugh Atchison last week and how we had mm. kind of this journey with him and how we found him and then like how we, our opinions of him changed over time. Jane says, I had the reverse Hugh journey where I found him cutting and annoying as a judge 
and somewhat full of it uh, on his season of Masters. However, I ended up finding his blog posts for Bravo, especially for season 11, and it really changed my mind on him. Yes. Um, he, he's a fun writer. He's, his blog was so good. I 100% agree with this. I re- like I found him so charming, and also his like insights were really good. And in general, we had a lot of good stuff come out of the Bravo blogs, and I assume they were just not worth the energy because they did not continue them. Um, but I enjoyed I think I learned a lot from them, and um, especially from the early seasons, too. I learned a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff from Tom. Tom would like justify the decision each week in his blog. Um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it was good. Yeah, really interesting. Um, uh, Jane continues. He's snarky, but I feel like it's less uh, less harsh because he's also generous with compliments when they are deserved. Um, plus, plus, he made Dushat take all the seats on season 12 when Dushat was being a jerk about his competitor making a cake in the Revolutionary War Challenge, which I don't remember, but I believe. Yeah. Um, so uh, Hugh delivers great reality TV commentary with an accessible authority. So I think that's awesome. So I, I recommend that as well if you're doing rewatches of season 12. I don't. I should check. I didn't actually check for this. Do we have blogs on season 11? And are they still around? Um, and then lastly, Meredith wrote in by email saying, if you guys are still thinking about when else did we have an omelet challenge? The omelet challenge, I remember, is the Denver omelet quickfire in Colorado. The three lowest in that then went on to make a classic French omelet for a sudden death quickfire cook-off, which is ah. definitely the one that I remembered was the French omelet cook-off. Um Meredith says, just call my name if you need me again. Keeper of the memories. So thank you so much for keeping the memories uh, and for still listening despite all of the um, intense work that is going on in your life right now. Um, So and uh, and for yeah, I'm going to go back and find just that challenge, I believe, because I am super interested, although I hate sudden death quick fires i do like a classic french omelet so those are that's the mailbag if you have any more mail for us you can send us an email mailbag at packyourmics.com we're also on facebook and twitter and a little bit less on instagram but wherever you find wherever you send it i will find it eventually if not right away um i get, oh you know what actually i did miss one more closing i guess in closing thoughts um jeffrey got eliminated you guys probably should mention yeah, that, that was kind of a i mean he did quite well um at the uh the soup challenge with getting his gazpacho chilled he yeah. seemed <laughs> fairly Jeffrey, uh in your pocket that was yeah he yeah he seemed pretty competent but uh obviously overcooked the heck out of that halibut i enjoyed his comment i've cooked fish perfectly lots of times yeah <laughs> Yeah, that I I mean that it's so tough to go out on the first episode um or I guess the he did he also participated in the zeroth episode so he had he had his time in the sun but still um it was like it was just that he overcooked it it was like the decision to sear it on both sides seemed like a bad one that seemed like and, conceptually a miss and time management I mean Emerald brought this up um you know you still have 14 oh, minutes to go yeah. why why are you searing a piece of fish at full heat Emerald yeah, such a good on both sides. On both sides. Emerald thought he was a genius time manager with his chilled gazpacho. Right. Yeah. Maybe he thought maybe maybe he should have cooked cock. <laughs> or maybe he should have uh, cooked it with only two seconds left and then used his pocket chiller to bring it down to temp right, right away. Mm. Um yeah, that's such a good point. I also like the way like Emerald said, like, what was the clock at when you started cooking the fish? And Jeffrey was like 14 minutes, 32 seconds. Like he was very aware of about him. 14 and a half sec- like it was very confusing yeah, it was, he was, yeah, like, he was like oh you know if i had to specific. guesstimate 
Yeah. Interesting choice. Even smaller decimals, but he had to round up. Yeah, right, right. It was 14.32.64. Yeah. Um, Anyway, um, a little sad to see him go. I assume people, it's too early to have a lot of hankies for somebody who you did not remember and thus knew was going home pretty soon. I will say I did remember him really well. And I don't know if it's just that they flashed to like his like personal life pictures a bunch of times, but I was like, yeah. I remember him and his yeah. backstory and He's all handsome. He has yeah. great skin. Uh, you know, forwarding. someone who is also extremely handsome. Yeah. That is, I don't know. It's going to be an like, all hot wedding, which I don't think I can handle. That's too much. I, I, <laughs> I definitely, yeah, I definitely recalled him immediately when he like popped up in the initial episode and was then surprised that I remembered him so well, given that he's on this so for briefly. almost no time. Meanwhile. Yeah. yeah. We all remember the beast that is Kuniko, you know, just running rampant over this challenge. Right. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. What? I, I mean, I don't remember where she gets eliminated, but I don't feel like she makes a deep run because I do not remember her super well. I remember uh, no one and nothing. So all of this okay, is a fresh surprise for me every time. <laughs> you need to, it needs to be your third time on the show if you want me to remember you. I don't know if that'll stick either. We'll see. <laughs> okay, what about Seed? She's so tall. He's very tall, and I remember that, and I remember his tomato on a burger. Yeah, I can't wait. Uh, can't wait for the pickle challenge. Oh, um, oh my God, see? <laughs> I wasn't going to correct you because I wanted you to have this. I assume oh. you're right. I assume there was a tomato on the burger. The, the, the pickle's on the side, I think. No, um, it's an yeah. unforced error. It was an unforced error. <laughs> yeah those knives are sharp um all right well that's it for us thank you everybody for hanging out um chris you already know this you get uh, eliminated today uh everybody else send us your feedback uh pack your mic or mailbag at packyourmics.com thanks for hanging out uh well, get some gauze because chris just tried to pack his mics and ended up impaling oh, his no! arms oh you, you gotta look what you're doing man they're sharp it's okay after the gauze i'll be pretty again it's fine <laughs> man that cut must have been intense because she had like a full mitten on afterwards there was so yes. much gauze yeah and it was like no i didn't hit a nerve thank goodness whoa yeah. that was an intense thing to assume um uh yeah uh anyway thanks for joining us as and sarah everyone yeah. grab your butt limes maya say butt lime yeah <laughs> yes <laughs> also thanks for joining us chris and tanya you bet indeed Sarah and Kyle get get some more sleep, maybe. Hey, thank you. This fish doesn't have a head, but I'm pretty sure it's cod. <laughs> hey, we didn't even talk about mystery fish. That was the I think it was the youngest group of chefs too, and they were like, no idea what this fish is, but we like it. Um, you could have gotten that could have been any. It could have been they could have gotten catfished. It could have been anything. Uh, that's not bad. I may have had that preloaded and then forgot it, to execute. It would have made any uh, sense in 2013, in 2012, but but I still like it. Oh, that's a good point. When did that movie come out? Um, Presumably not then. Uh, anyway, no, it uh, did. Uh, 2010, 2011. I remember yeah, that would have been topical in 2012. As I waited right. tables at a restaurant where the directors of <laughs> Catfish were interviewed for the Chicago uh, like Red Eye. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> I never saw it, but I did recently look up. They were not the originators of the term. They just like popularized it in the specific context. But I did Google. If you're curious, the like way the catfished as a term for cheating or for like pretending to be somebody else is based on this legend of people shipping cod from Alaska to China. And the cod would just like get sad and flabby in the tanks. So they would put a catfish in there, which would terrify the cod. And so they'd swim around in circles scared all the time and show up very fresh and healthy. Oh, oh! What a 
complicated way to refer to lying. Yeah, isn't that interesting <laughs> that they took that and they were like, oh, that's how what it means to be, to be lying is to... <laughs> lying on the internet is a lot like putting catfish in with cod so they are terrified. Like, how does that... Isn't that weird? Also, almost certainly didn't happen. That's No one set, ships fresh cod. That's really weird. Um, so it's just like a weird fisherman's legend. Um, yeah, usually such reliable sources of, of news. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Known non-exaggerators. No, the, fi- the, the fish are always that big. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, this has been a delight. Thanks for talking to me, Megan. That was my last. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and thanks for sharing your story of your life of crime. Yeah. Let's go back and continue to evade federal authorities um, for the rest of the day. We'll see everybody else next week. Take care, everybody. Bye. Bye.